Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. This show is brought to you in partnership with the Witherslack Group, experts in special education and care. Enjoy the podcast. I am joined for the second half. This is exciting. Having two parts is amazing. I've got Ross. Ross, how are you, fella? Hey, Tom. Good to hear you. Good, good to hear uh, Lee also. Is, the, is he the funniest man on the internet? I've already asked him if he's the sexiest man on the internet. <laughs> now, he very crudely denied that fact, but I think there's a lot of, of people here who would... Adam, Adam is here. Adam, do, do you think that Mr P is the sexiest man on, in education? And Joe, we'll ask everyone. He's keeping himself muted, Ross. Do, do you hey, think I'm on, he sorry. Is, do you think oh, he's the... Oh, I can't go with sexy. I'll definitely go with funny. <laughs> I gotta be honest. Um, um, I must have been living in a cave or something because this is uh, this is all new to me. This sexiest teacher thing. So I gotta step up my game. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I I feel bad now that I sort of wrote Lee and Joe. Do you think that Lee is the sexiest man in education? I'm not sure I can go with sexy either, Tom. To be honest with you, but he definitely sounds like a man who knows his stuff. Yeah, funny. We'll stick with funniest because he well, he he was he is he is funny and he's a great talker. Um, right, listen. Second half of the show. Um, should Ofsted be uh, put into uh, an early grave? Um, Adam. Um, I'll start off by saying uh, no. I don't think so. Um, I think what would probably happen is if you abolished Ofsted you would come back round full circle and accidentally reinvent it under a different name. <laughs> Valid. So what? So, do you think, I mean, is it, why do you think that, though? Is that some sort of, like, innate desire in us to be, to be judged or rated? I think it's more just the fact that the, the public demand it, essentially. I don't, I'm not talking about grading inspections or anything. I just the concept of having... Uh, like an overseer of the education system, I think it's probably really, really important. Um, if you didn't, the divergence we get in the system would be even huger than it is now. Now, you you wrote a blog very recently. Do you want to talk us through that blog? You uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, you're a science teacher, aren't you, Adam? Yeah, that's my main job, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I was just checking. I didn't want to get No, that's wrong. fine. But you recently wrote a blog about... Um, uh, sort of Ofsted and, and some of the issues there. Do you want to talk us through that first? Yeah, sure. So um, it all happened when uh, the aid memoir gate or whatever, you have to call everything a gate nowadays if it happens and it's controversial, isn't it? So yeah, um, when they started releasing all those confidential training documents and they got leaked, it started making me think, you know, why do we get like this? Because I'm old enough to remember uh five or six years ago when they introduced the new inspection framework and the, and the whole point of it was to try and reduce this gaming and this kind of lethal mutation aspect to the profession. But we end up there every single time. It doesn't seem to matter what we do. It's like Neo in the matrix, no matter what he does, he always ends up back where he started essentially um, trying to make more money out of another sequel. Um, and, uh, uh, so I was thinking that probably the only dimension that they never seem to change in the kind of current iteration is probably the grades they award the schools. And I think, um, was it Lee, Mr. P, um, 
he yeah. you know is right by saying i think there is a tension that is created by the grades because you introduce an extra dimension to the inspection that doesn't necessarily have to be there um and by doing that you kind of raise the stakes inadvertently for heads to kind of game the system because they're playing a what's called like a synchronous game so they're making their decisions as inspectors are being trained on what good schools look like for want of a better phrase but they don't know that information very well so they're playing with an incomplete data set and they have to listen to the whispers on the wind and hear what happened in a school halfway across the country apparently and they kind of have to be forced to pay close attention to these things instead of their own judgments of their own school because the stakes for getting it wrong are just so incredibly high for them you know it is literally career on the line if they if they drop a grade you know if you drop from good to uh, requires improvement that's a hell of a challenging situation for a head to find themselves in yeah um ross i'll come to you now um i'm gonna hopefully ask all of you different questions now Ross, I'll start with the overarching question for you. Yes. Should we abolish Ofsted? Adam, Adam said no. Uh, well, yeah. Adam's got a, a very valid point. You, you know, you'd ask me in 2017 after my last schools put in special measures, I would have uh, given you a different answer. But uh, as you know, I've been working with teachers all over the world, uh, particularly England, and I've got a bit more of a broader view. I suspect now, and I don't think there's there's not much um, I haven't researched on Ofsted as a result of uh, them putting the final nail in my career, I suppose, um, from diversity to uh, language used in reports and all sorts. I, I think at a macro perspective, you know, you've got illegal schools. You know, I don't want my child to go to an illegal school. Uh, I don't want yours. So there's a good 6,000 kids or so uh, Prison education, you know, our most vulnerable people in society, 140-odd prisons or so uh, that need to be regulated. Care homes, 108,000 uh, young people, I believe, you know, looked after children, etc. That, you know, even homeschooling, only recently it was put in legislation that we'll have a register for any child that's not in school being homeschooled. And I think that emerged from the pandemic. So if we take outside of schools and early year settings, Ofsted do a great service for the country. And I think that's something we should be proud of. And I never thought I'd say anything like that about Ofsted. I, I think another positive is, you know, 70% of school leaders currently are Ofsted inspectors that help uh, complete the process, obviously not in those other types of settings, but largely in schools. And, and of course, the welcome reform, the new framework, moving away, well, supposedly moving away from data to more of a curriculum focus is welcome however you can see any school and every school now with a a, a, a renewed 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 focus on curriculum intent which should have always been the case from the very day, from day dot essentially um i guess the negative consequences in, in back to your question should all often be abolished well you've got a capacity issue often don't get enough funding they don't have enough inspectors Adam mentioned quite earlier, there's the gaming system, the consequences where you have this kind of perverted competition. Uh, you know, we are outstanding. We are requires improvement. You know, I've lived that life as a school leader. Um, Ofsted acknowledge that schools work in different contexts, but they've got essentially a one-size-fits-all Ofsted inspection process. So that immediately isn't good 
for anyone one size fits one one person uh, although they are adept in an early years framework shortly um I, I think the critical thing in terms of grading which is something i've pushed for a long time and reflecting on it a lot more uh, and we know the research is clear if you work with a disadvantaged community you know pu pupils in uh, the IDACI code. So if you're familiar with the index for deprivation and child index, if you work with high proportion of people, premium kids, then your school's more likely to get requires improvement or inadequate. And then having <laughs> researched all the secretaries of state, and I, I, I stopped bothering doing this through uh, seven or eight months ago when we got so many different uh, secretaries, but um, I used to investigate what schools they visited. And essentially, if you were an academy, or a good or outstanding, you're likely to get an, uh, a royal visit. Otherwise, if you're a poor local authority school on a requires improvement judgment, you're least likely to get any kind of VIP uh, visits. I, I guess the critical thing I'm saying here is often grades is tied into legislation, so you can dig this out through the government website. What that means is whether Labour or Tories or whoever want to abolish graded lessons will need an alternative system so we don't have to have an unintended consequence like Adam mentioned and even if it's debated in the House of Commons it's got to get through the House of Lords so that's I just think that's never going to happen in my lifetime sadly um, Austin, uh, I mentioned Austin budget that's pretty much it I think but you know this, I guess my lens is a bit wider so I, I don't think Austin should be abolished However, I think the way schools are inspected needs to change. Yeah. Thanks for that. That was a really good sort of start. I, I want to give a shout out to lots of listeners we've got. We've got Jane uh, in a drive, Noreen, Chris, uh, welcome, Nathan, uh, Mrs. Lloyd, who listens to a lot of TTR stuff. So welcome to you. Uh, Shaniqua's here, Gareth. Uh, we've got uh, Kojo. Uh, Paul, Zoe, uh, Mick, Mr. Patch. Uh, we've got uh, Smart Curriculum, Mrs. Hinsky. Good evening to you. Uh, and the final person on that line is Peter. And we've got another 25 people uh, in addition. So thanks very much for tuning in. Joe, uh, are you there? I am, Tom, yeah. Good evening. I feel like I've, I've, like, the last 20 minutes, I've only asked you one question, which is, is Mr. P the sexiest man in education? So I feel like I've sort of wasted your time a little bit. But I'm going to come on to Ofsted now and ask you some actual, like, legible questions. So um, my first question to you is, A, have you had a, a semi-recent Ofsted experience? Uh, B, what was it like? And C, do you think Ofsted should be abolished? Um, I'm going to start with C, if that's all right, because I it. think before I came on here, I sat and actually thought about what I thought. Yeah. And in lots of ways, I'm still not sure what I think about yeah. Ofsted, um, because, and I think that's that's part of the issue is that it changes all of the time, and I think that that's reflective really of what Ross has said. And what Adam have said in that idea that maybe we they, they do do good things. There are good things, positive things that come out of an inspection um, about the framework, the focus on curriculum, the safeguarding 
all of the things that they look at that are positive and that we as, as professionals, we, we kind of completely understand why there's a need for that level of in, inspection and the inspectorate to be there. We want schools to be safe. We want them to be doing the best job that they can. I think that for me, the, the biggest issue with Ofsted as, a, as an organisation is, is the grading, is the thing that does the biggest damage to to situations to the to the profession to to kind of the way we treat each other as members of the teaching profession that innate competition that is maybe set up the the impact that those grades have and and part of me sort of thinks about all of the stuff that school leaders have to do all of the stuff that that teachers do all of the stuff that support staff do within schools we're always talking about as a profession about knowing your kids and knowing your school, knowing your context, knowing those things that you've got your finger on the pulse of your your school. And as a result of that, I often wonder whether we put a lot of store into something like the CEF, whatever we want to call it in a mm. school, whether it's a CEF, school development plan and all of those things that we do. And part of me wonders whether the inspectorate wouldn't be more successful if rather than giving schools judgments on categories like leadership and management, like quality of education, that they actually just decided whether as leaders, a school knew itself, that it knew its strengths and it knew its areas of development and it had a clear plan of how it was going to move things forward and change things how it was going to do those things it might not be that the capacity was there the finance was there the knowledge was there but that idea of then how you're going to access support what sorts of things need to change about your school to do what's best for your children and in a lot of ways I think that the grading is where things go wrong with with Ofsted because you know it gets broken down it's that overall grade, so you can be a good school, an outstanding school. But the report then gets down to the the smaller elements and how can a school be good if it doesn't have a good in this? How can it be good in, in this area or that area if it doesn't have this particular element of it? Because we are quite harsh on ourselves as as professionals, but we're also quite harsh on each other sometimes. And we are always looking for, for the things that weren't quite so good as, as they could have been and that tendency I think to to focus on the negatives is made worse by an inspectorate that insists on grading elements and you can never get the nuances of every last bit of that inspection in those reports you can't get what they meant or what it was like at the time or what little things happened then they never come across in a report and those grades that's all anybody looks at i notice a lot of the time on on twitter we talk an awful lot don't we about when we when we mark kids work should we give them a grade or not should we give them a mark out of 20 or whatever or not or should we just concentrate on the feedback and the very thing that has professionals we kind of try and take a step back away from and do we want to give kids grades because they'll only focus on the number they'll only focus on the letter or or whatever else it might be we do exactly the same in terms of our own inspectorate and 
And I think that's the part that frustrates me. Wow. Yeah, really good sort of summary. I mean, Adam, I mean, obviously Joe's talked there about gradings. I wondered just on the issue of sort of your career inspection experiences, have they been positive? I mean, my question to all of you is going to be, if off, do Ofsted actually improve teaching and learning? Do they actually have a net positive effect on the profession? Adam, that's I think, kind of to you. Yeah. Yeah, I think my answer to that part, first of all, would be um, to ask people, you know, how many times have they um, marked books this last fortnight, given the books back out to the students, had them act on all the feedback, taking the books back in with a third colour and ticked it all off. Because I think the current inspection framework did achieve one thing, hopefully, across the system, which is maybe squash some of the mistakes the previous inspection framework made, um, which is, I suppose, a bit about my issue. But I think Ofsted are a huge lever in the system. They have the ability to make uh, huge changes. So, for example, there is no doubt in my mind that their focus on curriculum now has made teachers much more aware of the curriculum as a kind of journey and the ideas of different ways of assessing um, and brought those areas to the forefront. And you can see that in the discourse that happens through Twitter in terms of people sharing their ideas about what the sequencing is like in their subject. And especially in the you know primary sector where they have so many subjects to juggle in such a limited amount of time, I think that's probably uh, been really beneficial. My personal experience with Ofsted is quite substantial. I've been teaching 19 years, and I think I was three months into my NQT year when my school got put in special measures. Your profile picture looks far too fresh for 19 years, mate. You really do. You're looking far too good for that amount of time well, in the classroom. Maybe I'll have title of youngest-looking teacher then. It's the secret of black and white, mate. It's the secret of black and white. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Carry on. It's it's all it's all actually been artificially coloured. It's all grey in that here. Um, <laughs> yeah. I got a biro and I just coloured it in before I took the photo. Lovely, um, lovely. Yeah, so I think I've always worked in um, predominantly white working class coastal regions on the south coast, so uh, quite tough nuts to crack educationally. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so we've I've been through special measures. I quite enjoyed special measures when I was a young teacher, so I got to you meet an inspector. Man. <laughs> I got to meet an inspector every six weeks to actually learn something from them, you know, whereas before mm. they kind of fly by, tell you what to do, give you... 10 minutes feedback and you won't see one for five years well mm. i had people turning up every six weeks going do this do that and i think especially back then when there wasn't really a culture of kind of learning walks and kind of continual professional development that was really useful Inter yeah it's interesting you say that because i know one of the criticisms i've seen of ofsted and it's certainly something i've personally said before is this idea of like ofsted as a school in as a genuine school improvement leave imagine okay so i've worked in a school that was in um special measures rated inadequate like you and mm -hmm. i can't say that i think that was more detrimental for the staff there than not but more because i have to say that it was more because of the i guess the sort of the reaction to that judgment was to can be to pile on more pressure 
can be to make things harder for the sort of ordinary classroom teacher um, rather than, as what you say, which is okay if a school is rated inadequate um, special measures, they get regular visits, they get more inspections, they get regular check-ins, et cetera, et cetera. But the flip side of that is when those, during that period, do leaders crank up the pressure? Does it actually lead to more difficulties for the staff in the school? Yeah, and I think that's a, a really valid point. I'm thinking back now because it takes me a little while to think yeah. about that. Um, and I think we probably went through three heads in five years during wow. that point yeah. in time. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, you look back and you think there were very valid reasons. Their decision was not wrong. Like we had major issues that we needed to address. But it's also, yeah, very hard to, to create the climate to address those things sometimes uh, in some contexts. So, you end up yeah, burning through a lot of people to get to the point where you've got the right person in the right role with the right money available to kind of make the changes that are needed to get that school turned around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Ross, what are your thoughts on this whole issue of gradings and the impact of an Ofsted inspection? I mean, again, it sort of comes back to my question, which was, does Ofsted have a net positive effect on the profession yeah it's a good question it's a good question i have to say adam's i'm going to steal that little trick from adam i have a black and white picture he, he looks uh, very young <laughs> uh, I, I, so i've done nine inspections my last one um or i guess the one before that 2014 ish time at the time the framework said that if you had for example requires improvement graded for teaching and learning or data, whatever it might be, but had good leadership. Yeah. It, told, it suggested to Ofsted that the, the leadership team could turn it around. But so that essentially in their methodology at the time did not give the school leaders the support they required to turn the schools around. So I'd need to work out what the new framework offered and have to read through their, their very lengthy documentation to see if that's still, you know, there's many unintended consequences. What we now have is, Yes, there's been a shift away from, uh, you know, data. Uh, as Adams quite rightly mentioned, we got rid of this whole triple marking frenzy. Ofsted can't comment on marking anymore. I guess what we've now got is this working memory nonsense um, where, you know, I've, I've published a book on memory. Um, I've done a linguistic analysis of Ofsted reports to see how often it's quoted. And you, what you get is you've got your curriculum plan. We have a chat about it. We go into lessons. We talk to kids. We pop into a few lessons and we ask kids various questions and inspectors, uh, you know, in a, in a kind of bite-sized summary, suggest that kids can't recall what was on your curriculum plan. So then we get all these uh, loose statements quoted and I've pinged them all out on Twitter and I've had one or two former HMI reply back to me with um, some very interesting comments about what they have to do, what they can't do and all those types of things. Um your question on, you know, does it raise standards? I think it's very hard to to measure. I mean, there's tons of reports out there. Often would always publish their own annual reports on accounts and inspections and things. But I go back to that question, um, you know, and many people listening, uh, myself, Adam, I suspect Joe, who choose to work in a disadvantaged community. The Yes, we want high standards for all of our children, 
Um, but in some ways, we, you know, we've got a recruitment crisis. We, we might be turning away good teachers working in those schools. So you can see the kind of merit of a teach first model where they deploy teachers to certain communities. That's uh, a good thing, whether we should do that nationally, something that we should consider. Um, but why work in a challenging school if it, the research is clear, you're less likely to be viewed favorably by inspection? You know, the impact on recruitment, the impact on workload, there's research on number of hours that teachers do in certain types of graded schools. Um, you know, it's, it, it's all there. Um, I suppose when I think about the gradings as well, just to kind of finish, you know, think about in the, the big wide world, we, we go to restaurants, we write Google reviews, uh, there's competition out there to promote businesses. I guess it's the same thing for schools and I'm not defending off the gradings. I just think my wider lens now um, outside of one school, it's allowed me to kind of view that, you know, it's Ofsted's up, it's a public service. You, me and everyone listening at least here in England, pay for it as a taxpayer. So Ofsted doesn't belong to the government. It doesn't belong to the DfE or Amanda Spielman. It's an inspection service for quality of education. So it belongs to all of us. Um, and I guess we're, we're all our lives are affected by it in some shape or form. So we all have a right to whinge about it. We all have a right to review its performance, its accounts, which I've done on many times, and to point out the things that don't work well and ultimately for Ofsted to listen and help us, you know, that persuasive case for change to make it a, a, a truly world-class inspection system. But we all know that it, 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 you know, my head teacher was sacked by a special measures judgment that trust took over. I would work with him tomorrow. He's one of the best head teachers I've ever worked with in my 25 mm. years of teaching career. And I, you know, that quote, Amanda Smeon, you couldn't fill a busload of, uh, head teachers after an Ofsted inspection it's just nonsense the amount of head teachers that leave following Ofsted inspection mm. poor Ofsted inspection um we've got this bizarre fetish that you can you know our schools deemed requires improvement wherever and we just can you know we've got this multi-academy trust model where we believe we can turn things around by closing it down changing putting a new badge on changing the color and farming out half the teachers it's just a deficit model, and as a result, our kids suffer. We spend more money, uh, we waste offset cash, and it, it, it's a mindless loop. So it, I don't know what the solution is, uh, and, uh, and it was a nail in my teaching career, and I've said it to you before, mm. uh, I will take it to my grave, and I won't rest until uh, Ofsted does do something to reform how it grades schools and remove a lot of these unintended consequences, but not at a cost at not inspecting schools. And I, I guess as a parent, my boys just started secondary school, not at a cost where as a parent, I don't know the quality of what's going on in the school. I just don't know what that bit looks like. And, and that's what I'm struggling with. By the way, if anybody has a comment on anything that we are discussing, you, there's a little button in the bottom right-hand side with a little speech bubble on it. If you click that, it'll take you to the space, and then you can just reply as if you were replying to a tweet. And any comments you'd like to make, we will try to sort of read out. We'll pin it to the top of the space. Elizabeth had just has just made an interesting comment. No gradings in Wales. Um, interesting. Uh, it used to be with Estin. Presumably, there isn't any more, according to Elizabeth. Um, Elizabeth, if you want to call in, then also anyone else who wants to share their view on 
should we abolish Ofsted? There's a little blue microphone in the bottom left-hand side. You can click that and you can request in to speak at any time uh, during this conversation as well. Or you can just tweet a comment and we will read it out. But yes, no gradings in Wales. We've had another comment as well uh, from Sonny who says, raise the question of who do you want to know the curriculum, the children or the teachers? Because memory overload on students is a massive thing. Hashtag Rose and Shine. Um, any thoughts on that? Sonny, I'm not quite sure what you mean. That Raise the question of who do you want to know the curriculum, the children or the teachers, because memory overload on students is a massive thing. Interesting comment. Um, I'd love to, you know, if you want to expand on that by sort of calling in, and please feel free to do so. Joe. Can I just chip in oh, yeah, very go, quickly yeah. on that point? Because it yeah. has become part of my doctoral research. I can't pop into your classroom, quiz a kid, and have a true picture of their social-emotional health, what's on your curriculum plans, what it looked like the lesson before, and what it's going to look like after I've gone. Inspectors do know that. But when you really dig into any Ofsted report, I, I challenge everyone, go to the working memory quotes to do a Control-F search, and just see some of the nonsense being printed on reports and published to parents. That's all I'll say. Mm. Joe, I mean, I was going to ask you about this whole Ofsted curriculum drive. And I was going to ask you about, were you doing the, the, all this curriculum stuff before Ofsted started talking about it two years ago? Because I know Adam and Ross have both mentioned the curriculum uh, drive and the work that Ofsted have pushed around curriculum. Were you still doing curriculum stuff pre the new framework? Um, my my career trajectory has uh, has seen me spend quite a significant amount of time as a, a head of department. As I was a head of English yeah. for uh, for seven or eight years. And I think that teachers and heads of subject have always thought about curriculum and they've always thought about what they're teaching. I think for the first time, you know, we, we saw reports, the key stage three, the wasted years, all of, all of those reports that came out. I do genuinely think that it, it gave more of a, of a structure to those thoughts and that work on curriculum that wasn't happening before. As a head of department, I can only speak from from my own sort of personal experience like that, and also some some observations I guess I've made from working in schools for as a senior leader for longer than that. That teachers have always thought about what they're teaching. They've always thought about what they're teaching next, how it links into the things that they might have taught just prior to it. In terms of a full five year, seven year multiple more years than that curriculum, I think that the new framework finally allowed for the type of work that we'd always wanted to do, but we hadn't necessarily always found the time to. Mm. And it kind of gave us the the impetus to be able to to focus on that. So for example, as a, as a, a head of department in English, we'd always concentrated on, right, okay, what, what do the kids learn about what subjects are they covering what topics are they covering in key stage one and key stage two in primary and we might have known a little bit about spag and about phonics and all of those things but we weren't necessarily really clear and really clued up transition has definitely improved there's a broader understanding i think amongst lots of teachers in in 
particularly perhaps in core subjects about what topics young people are supposed to know at this age or that age and, and as they're moving through and the same for for moving on after GCSE it's it's given us the the chance to to realize that GCSE maybe isn't the end point of everything for our subject area or for a young person's learning and so I think that yeah those curriculum conversations were happening those discussions those choices were always going on but I think the new framework did very much allow for a more structured approach to it and a, a greater opportunity to reflect on why in English key stage three you you have to cover according to the national curriculum Shakespeare plays and all of those kinds of things which play are we choosing and why why are we choosing that and the option was totally stripped away it couldn't be oh well we're doing Romeo and Juliet in year eight because they're going to have to do it again at mm. key stage four and it became a why why are we doing that? What are the advantages? What are the themes that run through it? What what types of ideas can we discuss? And I think that that was a real positive that came out of it, not because it just it changed anything. I think it just allowed us to develop in far more interesting ways than than maybe we'd ever really thought of it. Yeah, interesting. Um Adam, any thoughts on this whole were you teaching the curriculum before Ofsted started talking about the curriculum? I say um, yeah, teaching I kind the of... curriculum, you were teaching it. I mean, were you thinking about the curriculum before Ofsted started thinking about it? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely, because people have to. Otherwise, how do you sequence it? So my background is science, mm. obviously, and we have we have two masters to our curriculum, the, the one we want, and then the logistical challenges of trying to make sure there's enough equipment to do the things we want at the time we want to do it. And so we have to always... In science, you always had to plan out carefully exactly where you're going and what you're doing and how it links together. But I do think before when I was a leader in the old inspection framework, the quality assurance conversations that were going on were much more about maybe surface features. And my, my worry, I suppose, with the current one is and why I started writing the blog is that I'm feeling a little bit more when I when I talk to people in other schools and on Twitter and that 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 some of these surface features are kind of bubbling back to the surface as kind of, you know, there's a lot more talk about books all of a sudden again, whereas maybe two years ago when you mentioned books, people would be like, oh, well, books don't tell what learning's happening, do they? People are kind of coming back to them now as evidence in the curriculum. And and that makes me a little bit nervous, if I'm being honest with you. Mm. Um, one thing that I was going to, because we're coming towards the end now, um, and just just before I ask you the final sort of couple of questions, um, I was just going to flag up one of our pinned tweets at the very top of the space says we're recruiting. So if you want to be part of the Teachers Talk radio hosting team and you are a classroom teacher in any phase or level, any um, level of experience, Joe, who is here speaking now, um, is on the Teachers Talk radio team. She does all our current affairs stuff. So and she's absolutely amazing. Um, so if you want to join Joe and myself and Nathan, who is adminning and uh, a few other people who are in the space who are on the team, then please do get in touch with us. It's not just hosting. If you fancy uh, doing other roles with us, then absolutely do. We are growing. We are expanding all the time. Um, and it's 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 a really cool uh, community space to be part of. So if you're interested, get in touch, go on the website. There's an email address on there. 
just uh, pop us an email and declare your interest. We're really interested in anyone who works in the classroom or is school-based, um, particularly interested in, in hearing from you. Uh, Ross, uh, last question from me that I'm going to sort of throw out to all of you, but I'll start with you, Ross, is if you had a magic wand and you could add something to Ofsted or rem- and remove something from Ofsted, what would those two things be? Gosh. <laughs> good that, isn't it? That is a very good question, yeah. Um, I, I guess I would want, want it to be funding to add capacity. Um, I mm. can't believe I'm saying this, but I think all You've gone soft. Ross, I've what gone has soft happened to yeah, you? It's weird. Has Amanda I, Spielman visited you no, in the dream? It's, it's a wider perspective. You know, I... There, you know, you talk about the unintended consequences, ending people's careers. I'll fight tooth and nail, and I'll start swearing. But if I talk about the positives, like you mentioned, the illegal schools, prisons, care homes, etc., you know, think of your most vulnerable child. Think about your favourite restaurant down the high street with no Google reviews. How do you know if that's that's going to do a good service for that child or for you when you go and buy a steak? So the, the, I think the critical thing is we need more funding for offset so they can inspect schools more. Now, hear me out here. I believe all schools, colleges, prisons, care homes should be inspected annually for safeguarding. And I believe it should be a desktop check. So through websites, policies, a little Zoom chat, all those types of things that can be done quickly so that every year children are being kept safe and that we can be rest assured that schools have done all the legal stuff that they need to do to function then we get back to the inspection process where people visit classrooms talk to kids talk to teachers but it's more of a high challenge low stress scenario where it's developmental and that's you know sean harford talked about years ago when i met him we talk about a hub system where good practice is shared not kind of done in secrecy where if you're a good, I think the framework slightly changed, it's still a bit vague, but if you're a good or outstanding school leader, you can become an Ofsted inspector, get into the kind of inner circle and get the Ofsted memoirs and get the Ofsted speak and benefit from this back in your own organisation. Meanwhile, if you're in an RI school or inadequate and don't have a record, a track record of good delivery, you cannot be an inspector and profit from that system. Um, so there's so that that's another in, unintended consequence. So, uh, in answer to your question, safeguarding checks every year, please. So more funding to be able to do that. I guess the to take the away. I can't yet articulate it. So you're going to have to come mm. back to me in a few years. But it's it's along the lines of how do we reform the grading system, at least in schools, maybe not for prisons and things like that. I mean, if you think about hospitals and how they're graded, but it's. It's an enormous beast and it's tied into legislation. I don't think we'll ever get to a solution, but we do need to think about ways that we can remove the byproduct of failure that then leads to this huge attrition, mental health, all those types of things that that just don't do uh, the sector any favours in the long term. And, And then we have all these politicians and dare I say, people within the the school system ourselves peddling this myth that this I'm better than you. Um, here's my outstanding banner. Uh, all those types of things that we like to shout about and pat ourselves on the back. But um, if you've ever 
you know, Adam mentioned earlier, one of my favourite career, career moments was working in special measures school in RI because the, the rigour is slightly different, the ethos is slightly different, the challenge is very different. You know, good and outstanding schools come with different pressures and different highs and lows too. Um, it's a challenge, you know, 32,000, well, 20, 32,000 schools across the UK, about 25,000 in England. There's, you can't have a one-size-fits-all methodology, so it needs to be uh, a little more tailored. Mm, good points. Joe, one thing you would add, one thing you would take away? Um, I think... I've said all the all the way along that I think the the most divisive part of of Ofsted ultimately becomes the the grading element to it, and if I could take away the not just the grading themselves but the the things that go along with that that situation, like the competition that we have as schools with each other, the general sort of yeah the banners and all of that other stuff, but also the 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 sort of the stress and aggravation that comes from working in a school that is maybe trying to hang on to a particular grade that might be trying to hang on to good or those leaders who are working in outstanding schools who haven't been inspected for such a long time who then sometimes unfortunately experience the the crashing change where that that grading is is somehow lost without ever really quite understanding where things have gone wrong because it's been a slip that that's happened over time or 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 whatever else it might be and i think all of those elements around grading are the are the parts that i would i would take away although mm. ross has swayed me a little bit with his restaurant review talk um and that concept that that yeah may, maybe there's there is a, a tiny positive around those bits for other people who aren't in it who aren't in the education system, maybe. Um, if I could add something, I think that the the sort of the allowance that maybe all of the work that schools put in at any level, re regardless of, of what their Ofsted current grading might be, into self-evaluation, into self-criticism, that actually maybe there was a basis around that of acknowledgement of how well leaders know their school and the quality of their plans to further improve and develop would be a greater part of an inspection not not the trite statements that we may be seen under different frameworks where leaders have the capacity to improve which always sounded a bit of a, a shoddy cop-out to me <laughs> but actually a, a an evaluation of the plans that that leaders have for schools have never mind just leaders schools have for moving themselves forward because as a profession we are hyper self-critical as individuals they are always you know if if you teach a class and 90 percent of the class got grades seven to nine automatically class teachers focus on the ones who didn't quite get that measure and we we're hypercritical as a as a profession and i think that that if we had something that felt like it was tell me about your strengths tell as a school and tell me about your plans to move it forward and let's evaluate those together that that might somehow have a better feel to it 
and it might improve outcomes. Who knows? I'm going to read a message in from Becky now, um, who's who's written in, uh, texted in. I cannot express enough how much Ofsted causes stress, upset and emotional distress to some teachers, especially those in a special measure school. I've been in a staff meeting where the head yelled at us because of the judgment and how he was told not to trust us as staff, but did. And he wished he'd listened to the person who told him. I'd have been in the math department that were blamed in front of all staff for the special measures judgment. It needs a major reform because of the mental health toll it can take on staff. I've literally been speaking to my counsellor tonight about the anxiety Ofsted causes me to the point one time we got the message we had the call, I was on the floor crying, hiding behind the podium in my classroom. My issues are linked to past trauma, but I know so many teachers who feel so much stress, anxiety and pressure because of Ofsted and it's not right. I think that sort of view would be reflected by others um i mean ross you've already mentioned in the past your experience um and i think others have had had similar um so i think we're coming on to adam now with your final say on this adam i don't know if you've got any response or any of you actually ross or joe or adam have any response to what becky has said i feel for becky definitely um although my gut instinct is, what a leader, eh? What a, what a piece of work that person clearly was to have that kind of behaviour. Um, mm. I'm just thinking about trying to choose appropriate words that are recorded. Um, <laughs> but uh, I do think, you know, I think we're all relatively in consensus, the idea that the grades definitely add unforeseen pressure on the system. I was trying to think of something really tangible that I could have that I'd want the system to have back. And I've got to be honest with you, if I could have one wish right now, I just have Sean Harper back on Twitter because just having a MythBuster there that represents the central aim of what they're trying to achieve and preventing it getting diluted so you can get firsthand from the top what should be going on. Because I feel like inspection is a very, very hard thing to do accurately. And if we had the ability to kind of have more checks and balances in the system on the inspection side as well, we may find ourselves under a lot less... Um, kind of running around with our heads cut off trying to make an invisible inspector happy, you know, before they turn up. 100%. Sean was a real bonus to have on for exactly that, that myth busting that you felt as though you could sort of ask any type of question or any weird rumour idea that you might have heard somewhere, whether it be on Twitter or in another school or whatever else it was, and that that was addressed quickly and part of me wonders whether if if sean was still on twitter and and doing that thing whether those aid memoirs would ever have seen the light of day on twitter and Uh, i'm going to interject joe i disagree um sean did brilliant work on twitter but i feared for his mental health because he was a one-man band fighting machine and we must remember that half the half the teaching world aren't on twitter and you could have a school leader in one school representing the school Twitter account and all those, but it's not everywhere. So you have, it, by doing so there, rather than through official Ofsted communications, the, there are again unintended consequences, just like you have with inspectors, that some profit and some don't. Um, I, I, I That's guess, a fair point, Ross. That's totally yeah, a fair I, point, yeah. I guess we all benefit from chatting to him, you know, the privilege of interviewing and meeting him several times. So... He, he did good stuff, but I, I think in the end, uh, Twitter killed him and probably I was 
also partly responsible for that with all the Ofsted flat that I used to put out. Yeah, I mean, I was always lovely. Um, and um, Joe, you mentioned it was a bonus. He was on Twitter. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned bonuses. No, I, I think I'm, I'm being uncouth, though. I'm being very uncouth. Um, but no, I think, I think that, uh, to be fair, I think you've all made a lot of really good points. And you've certainly got me thinking, anyway, about it all. I, I, I mean, again, I think my question, which I... I have my my personal view is that the net um, then there is not a net positive of having Ofsted in its current form. There is a net negative um, based on the pressure on staff, the pressure on schools, the 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 so-called unintended consequences, all the rest of it. My view is there is not a net, and that is my personal view, not the view of Teachers Talk Radio, but my personal view is there is not a net positive. However, I do think that you have all given a really good summary of some of the pros, cons, and some of the things that, uh, you know, that Ofsted, that you feel that Ofsted could do better or you think should be removed from them. So I thank you all, and thank you very much for all coming on the show and i will i we need to get i think we need to get sean harford on um again he was on with noreen actually last year on teachers talk radio we'll have to look but i'm going to look back on that show and see if i can find it again but we need to we'll have to get him back on um and see what he has to say but i think um it was a really interesting chat so thanks adam and thanks joe and thanks ross uh for coming on and spending an hour uh talking it out and this will be available as a podcast in two parts this will be part two um so we at teachers talk radio will tweet it out when it's ready so you can uh, share it listen to it uh divulge in it um also if you've enjoyed the show tonight uh, you can listen back to any show on teachers talk radio on the website ttradio.org and i have to give a shout out finally to tracy who has a debut show starting in four minutes uh on teachers talk radio tracy is starting her show in three and a half minutes and you can listen to it live by clicking ttradio.org listen live on the top click on that and then press play and you can listen to tracy live talking all things teacher well-being in about three and a half minutes um, until half ten so thank you very much for tuning in uh we will be uh, live in three minutes time thank you nathan for adminning and thanks every single one of you for listening in cheers all You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.